In the way of announcements, uh, uh, we probably will not be having Tuesday night study. I'm still uh, going to be uh, out of the out at Phil's uh, helping out there at Phil Scriber. So uh, we'll give give it another week, Grant. And, uh, and then uh, hopefully we'll be getting uh, going in the Gospel of John, and we're meeting. We'll be meeting at my house on uh, Weber. The uh, in the prayer needs, uh, just keeping Phil and Arlene uh, in prayer. She came through her hip replacement surgery. Well, it went well. Uh, she's in therapy now, uh, and uh, she will be for uh, uh, at least the next week. Uh, prayer, very specific prayer. She's been having uh, a rather unique problem for her with her blood pressure. And because it's, it's not where it needs to be, they can't do the physical therapy until it's where it's supposed to be. And so uh, keep her in prayer. They'll get on top of this right away so that she can get her hip moving and going in the right directions. And keep praying for Phil that he'll continue to get stronger and... and uh, uh, things will be going well there. And uh, we are going to need uh, some health care out there. Uh, it's, it needs to be people who know what they're doing and how to do it. Uh, heavy lifting and, and uh, things like that. So uh, if you know of somebody that does that for a living, uh, let me know. And uh, I'll get in touch with them and see what we can arrange. So I appreciate that. So that prayer request that we'll get, a, we'll get the health care that they need uh, out there as well. Any other prayer needs this morning? Okay, let's pray together. Father, as we come to you this morning, we bring our prayer needs before you with a confidence. In fact, you tell us that we are to do that with a confidence that you will dispense your mercy and your grace. And Lord, we, we do that especially with Phil and Arlene. Uh, we ask, Lord, that you would bring strength to their bodies, healing to their bodies, Lord. And just the, the right people or, or person to, to be involved uh, in their uh, recovery time, in their home, that they would be able to stay that way in their home. And we just bring that before you and ask, Lord, for your, your help with that. And we confidently leave it in your hands. And we thank you. And Father, as we open your word, we ask that you would open our hearts, that we would receive from you the things that you have for us, each of us coming with different needs, but your word being able to minister to all of us at the same time. We pray for your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and our minds that we might be stronger in our walk and stronger in our, in our relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're still in John chapter 17. The high priestly prayer is frequently called. And uh, what we have here is Jesus at the end of the Passover meal that he shared with the disciples, uh, he prayed literally a, a, a lengthy prayer. That's this one here. It's the longest recorded prayer that we have in Scripture. And uh, Jesus is very specific. He prays for himself. He prays for the disciples. He prays 
for us. And what he prays for the disciples, uh, uh, there's a verse, verse 20, which I'll look at again in a little bit, but uh, that ties both together so that we understand that what he prays for the disciples, he's also praying for us as well. And uh, so it's uh, a time of reflection that Jesus is putting out. His, he's be, being, if you will, what he is, God has called him to be, our high priest. Scripture refers to it, especially in the book of Hebrews. Jesus is our high priest, constantly ready to intercede on our behalf. And so, uh, this is a picture of him doing exactly that, interceding. And the thing that just, I, I know I shared this before, but I, I just can't seem to get over it, is the reality that, that here Jesus is just, at the best uh, moments, minutes, maybe uh, an hour before he is in the Garden of Gethsemane and arrested, this is just ha- this is this prayer is happening just before that part of his life, and what is he doing? He's interceding for us, and I'm just amazed that, that his love for us, the love that God has for us, demonstrated through Jesus Christ and His love for us. And, and praying for us in the, in the, the, the very moment that, that he's going to be facing uh, arrest and mockings and beatings and ultimately the cross. Definitely a powerful picture for us. Uh, in verses 14 through 16 of chapter 7, uh, and I, I, that was more... Uh, from uh, that we touched on most of that last week. I just want to read them again to uh, be the foundation for where we go this week as well. So starting with the 14th verse, chapter 17, chapter 17 of the Gospel of John. Jesus is saying, I have given them your word. He's referring to the disciples. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. This idea of keeping them from the evil one, this word keep is to, to protect and, and defend and, and, and hold uh, them uh, as the evil one will try to attack them and try to dissuade them and, and try to do what he can to make their ministry difficult. And so he's saying, Lord, keep them, protect them, be with them. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for the sake I con- for this sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Verse twenty: I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That would be us. He says, "I've given them your word." In verse 14, he says, I've given them your word. And 
he says the world has hated them. And then it says the world has hated them because I'm not of the world and they're not of the world, basically. Well, why is it they're not of the world? Because of the word of Jesus. The word that he has given them. The word separates us. If we believe in it, it separates us from the rest of the world. It, it, it happens. It cannot not happen if you open the Word of God and believe in what is said. Jesus goes on and He says, again, He says, I'm not asking them for to be, to be taken out of the world, but while they're here in the world, Lord, protect them, preserve them, take care of them. Protect them from the evil one. Starting with verse 17, which is where I want to focus today, it says, sanctify them in the truth. Again, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And then look down at verse 19, and again it says, I consecrate myself, which means to sanctify himself, which Jesus is setting himself aside at this point. He's truly setting himself aside for what is ahead, the cross. And so, as he is praying that over himself, he says, that they also may be sanctified in truth. So, the focus of what I want to deal with today is this idea of being sanctified in truth. Because this isn't just for the disciples, it's for us as well. We are to be sanctified in the truth of God. And, and so, as I look at this, uh, you 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 wonder, okay, you know, for me, I, I, I put to be sanctified, set apart, made holy for holy service. That's what it is to be sanctified. Set apart, made holy for service, holy service to God. Sanctified in truth made me think I don't know if this occurred to you as you read this idea. In truth, was Jesus being uh, with Pilate? And Jesus had said, For this purpose I come into the world to bear witness to the truth. In, In chapter 18 of John, Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. In other words, everybody that God's opened their ears to hear truth, He says, listens for me. They listen to my voice. And Pilate's response was, how many of you recall what his response was? What is truth? And what he is saying is, basically, whose truth? What is truth? Whose truth are you talking about, Jesus? There's a whole bunch of truth. Now, it's an interesting thing to think that way, But you've got to remember where Pilate is coming out of. And actually, ever since the beginning of time, I really believe, people have been seeking out to figure out, you know, why am I here? Uh, What's what's my purpose? This type of thing. And, And they're looking for a truth, something to guide them. And they come up with different things. People, And as a result, there's all the, the, the different, and I put it in quotes, small g, all the different gods and different religions who purport to have truth. Well, by the time you get to Pilate's time, you've gone through all of the Greek philosophy time as well, where they're saying, 
the truth of math, the truth of science, the truth of astrology, the truth of politics, uh, the, the truth of religion. And it doesn't matter which God you believe in, there's some truth to be looked at. Uh, and, and you might recall uh, Paul as he was preaching in Athens, uh, I think this is in Acts chapter 17, that he was going to speak to them and, and they had all their the gods. Uh, they were a group of people meeting together to talk about their, their, the gods. And one would say, well, my, my God says this and my God says this or this is what we believe. And, and, and Paul noticed that they even had one altar set up to the unknown God. And as he as as Paul looked around, he realized there was no God to the true God through Jesus Christ. So he said, let me tell you about your unknown God. Because he's the only true God. He is the only real God. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. He's the only one. And they mocked him. I would put it, you know, basically to most of them, uh, Paul was just describing just another truth. And I would have to say that we are in a world very similar to that today. There's your truth, my truth, their truth, that truth, over there, that truth, and there's that church's truth, there's that church's truth, there's the... That religion's truth, that religion's truth. And basically what most people say is, you know, just do your own thing and, 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 and uh, I'm okay, you're okay. Whatever truth you want to believe in. That's what Pilate was basically saying. Jesus, you're, you're sounding like there's a singular truth. What are you talking about? Our idea, our perception of what is or isn't true, or the possibility of saying there is no absolute truth, or that there's many truths, whatever category you fall into, it establishes the foundation of what, well, I'll, I'll, I'll use one of uh, Francis Schaeffer's and others uh, comment, it, 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 it becomes the foundation of your world view. How you look at things. How you assess things. How you determine uh, whether something is good, bad, indifferent. Whether it's something that you would participate in. There's a Christian author. His name is Philip Riken. And he says this, Ideally, a worldview is a well-reasoned framework of beliefs and convictions which gives a perspective on the meaning of the human existence. In other words, this is where your, your, your basic idea of truth has to start with the meaning of human existence. Why am I here? What's my purpose? And it might include other questions like, how did the world start? Or how did the universe start? 
Where did it all come from? Where, when, how will it end? Is there anyone in charge? <laughs> Who's in charge? Is it just physics, laws and of uh, uh, physics that, that govern the universe? Or is there, is there an, a being that is involved? In fact, one of the questions, and, and I recall this being established, even when I was in, in, in high school, religion was already being, the idea of religion was already at a point where it shouldn't be taught in public schools. And the public school system that I was involved in was one of the first systems to to say, no, you can't carry your Bible on campus. And that happened while I was still in high school. And uh, the biology professor, I didn't know he was a Christian. He couldn't say anything about creation per se. In other words, he couldn't say the biblical picture of creation. But he, he... talked about there has to be, think about this, he would say, there has to be a first cause, something that has always been there that has put, spoken or put or made the rest of this. There has to be a first cause because you can't get nothing out of nothing. There has to be something that came first. And that is this worldview bottom line question. Who is it? What is it? That this first cause. And again, of course, the question, why am I here? What's my purpose? Again, Philip Rankin, he, he, he writes, God does not have a point of view. And I thought, wait a minute, am I reading something Christian? <laughs> I went back and looked at the publisher even. Yeah, that, that, this is a Christian publishing company. God does not have a point of view. And then he put it in parentheses, God does not have a truth. And I'm thinking, what's he getting at? And then a little bit later, he he makes his point. God doesn't have a point of view. God has a complete view. God doesn't have a truth. He is the truth. Think about Jesus' words. Recall them out of chapter 14, verse 6 of John. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Francis Schaeffer added to that statement, truth with a capital T. The truth. Jonathan Edwards, one of our great thinkers of our history, and he, and he wrote, all knowledge lies in the agreement of our ideas with the ideas of God. In other words, I come up with an idea, I am now to subject it to the ideas of God. In other words, I am to take it to the Word of God and see if it's a worthy or acceptable idea. There is an absolute Truth. I, I don't. I think probably most of you have heard of John Piper, uh, and uh, he's written a, 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 couple, a number of books about uh, some of the early uh, 
church philosophers and, and theologians, uh, and one of them is Jonathan Edwards, that he wrote a book called The Legacy of John Edward. And in that he says, nothing can be understood apart from God. So you might think, the people in the world think they have great understanding about all these different things, including physics, science, and stuff, but they ignore God. As a result of, of, of leaving God out of the equation, so to speak, they're missing the part that holds it together. They're missing the part that put it together. They're missing the part that originated it. And as a result, their understanding is never going to be complete. That's what he's saying here. And all understandings of all things that leave him out are superficial understandings. Since they leave out the most important reality in the universe. God is true. Now back to chapter 17 of, of the Gospel of John. Verse 17. Again, Jesus says, Sanctify them. Set them apart. Prepare them for their ministry. And it's a holy ministry that they're being prepared for. Sanctify them in the truth. And then Jesus gives us a very specific statement here. Your word is truth. Most of you are familiar with 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 that says that all Scripture is breathed out by God. The idea of, of, of Scripture is all of the Word. What he's talking about is what we have here. It is breathed out by God. It's from God. And... This idea of breathed out means it comes from his inner being. It comes from his, the depth of who he is. And what Jesus is saying is, that is what truth is. The Word of God. We have God's truth. He has revealed it to us. Psalm 25 tells us that his Word and is truth. Psalm 119 goes on and on and on about it. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's as far as I can go with a song. But the idea is, is, is that God's word is the way we go. It's the light of our path. And so when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, He's saying, I am the light, I am the truth, I am the word. Uh, and, and we think about it. Wait a minute. Isn't that what, what, what John has already written? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, referring to Jesus. And then it says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Also, the reality in, in Hebrew chapter 16, it says God cannot lie. God cannot lie. Because He is holy, He, he can't lie. He, he can't give you a falsehood. He can't lead you astray. He can't put you in a, in a situation uh, that, that, he hasn't, that, that isn't working for your ultimate good. 
I've been in a lot of situations in my life, and I'm thinking, how did I get into this? Why am I going through this? This type of thing. But he, God has promised that all things work together for our good. And I know that that is true because it's His Word and His Word is truth. There, I was trying to figure out how to put this together here. For We have a Christian worldview. And when I say we, I'm meaning the church has a Christian worldview. It's not something that we have invented. It's not something that we have figured out and put up in, in our own thinking. It is what has come from the Word of God, the truth of God. Our worldview is based out of Scripture. And so, let me just give you an, an overview here. The very first thing of our Christian worldview is creation. How did it all get here? All of these things. And the Scripture is explicit. In the beginning, God created. The very first words of the Word of God, the Bible. In the beginning, God created. It goes on to talk about the universe being created, all the different aspects of the universe being created. And in verse, uh, down <clears throat> towards the, the end of the chapter, God says, let us make man in our image. Let us make, you know, create man. That's where we start. God created. You want to know what the first cause is? It is God. It's an interesting thing. I found out years later that the, 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 my biology teacher that I had in high school was indeed a Christian. And that's why he put the idea of first cause out there. He'd opened the door. I really give him the, 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 the credit for the one who opened the door for me to start thinking about spiritual things. I always wondered what that first cause was going to be. But I started looking for it. And then somebody shared and another person shared and gave me a book that talked about it and all these kinds of things. And finally came to the realization, there is a God and God has started it all. And therefore, I need to acknowledge that God. And in order to acknowledge that God, I have to acknowledge the system He put together. And, and so I come through the blood of Christ. All of that is the truth that comes out of the Scripture. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thy word is truth, Lord. So as Jesus is interceding for His disciples and all who believe in Him through His teaching, their teachings, it puts together our Christian world view. 
begins with creation. It acknowledges what Genesis talks about in chapter 3 of Genesis. The fall of men because of sin. Sin is missing the mark of God's holiness. Once we miss the mark of God's holiness, we are separated from Him. And so, we acknowledge that God is the Creator. We acknowledge that man has fallen out of grace with God. And then we acknowledge that God has provided through His grace, through His love for us, God so loved us, that He has provided a way for us to be redeemed, restored, and brought back into relationship with Him. It's not something we deserve. I always say that. Be careful what you say when you, when, when you go around and say, hey, I deserve. Because the only thing we deserve, according to Scripture, is because of our sin, is to be separated from God eternally, and that's called spiritual death. And the consequences is physical death. That's the only thing we deserve. God has intervened and says, I want to restore you to all that I have for you. His grace. Man redeemed through Christ's death on the cross is what that boils down to. And through this redemption, we are promised eternal life, which is glory. The glory of God shared with us. And, we're, and, and it's eternal life forever. And according to Romans 8, we've talk, gone over this before, nothing can separate us from this. Nothing created can separate us from this. Our Christian worldview, God created. Man rebelled. He fell. Out of grace with God. God restored us through the cross. And extended His grace to us. And in doing so, has offered us and preparing us for eternal life. That is what is true. That comes from His Word. His Word is truth. I wrote down here for myself, Hours before Jesus purchased our redemption on, on and through the cross, He prayed for us. God, show them your truth. As we prepare for communion, I'd like to share a, a Scripture first. First Peter Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the, the living and abiding Word of God. We have communion we won't be passing it. We're still practicing some of the uh, guidelines from the COVID uh, things that have been going on. And so we have communion offered to you two ways. One is a double cup in the communion tray. The 
top cup holds the juice, the cup underneath uh, holds the bread. And so there's a way, it, they're both there in one cup, you only have to take the cup. Or you can have a packet, there's just a few packets left, but you can have one of those if that's the way you prefer to do it. When we sing our communion song, come up and, and pick up your communion. And, uh, and after we've all uh, have the communion and we've sung our song, we'll share together. So would the worship team come up, please? And feel free, as we're singing, to come up and get communion. At the point of Jesus' death on the cross, just before He gave up His last breath, He cried out, It is finished. The earth shook, and an amazing thing happened. The curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the part of the temple 
basically from everybody except the high priest, was torn from top to bottom. A six-layer material curtain torn from the top to the bottom. God had intervened and opened the Holy of Holies through the blood of Christ on the cross. When He said it was finished, the Holy of Holies was opened for us to go to. And not just to visit, but to dwell. When we celebrate communion, we're celebrating what Jesus did on the cross. And hopefully, as we are looking at this and thinking about it, having sung that song especially, you'll realize that we are in the Holy of Holies as we share this bread and juice together. And we found in the book of Acts, if you were to look at the book of Acts in chapter 2, as often as they gathered together, they were breaking bread and, and, and sharing the cup of, of communion together. Somebody asked, does that mean it, it could be something done other than on a Sunday? Yeah. Sunday's not the only day that, that you can do communion. Anytime a group of believers gathers together, they can share in communion. But every Sunday, the first day of the week as they gathered together, they definitely did this. And we follow suit. We share communion every Sunday because it is that picture of through the blood of Christ, through the words it is finished, we enter into the Holy of Holies and share His communion together. Paul wrote, I received from the Lord that also which I have delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed, He took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Paul continues, in the same way also Jesus took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, we thank You for the opportunity to be reminded of who we are in You and that You are the way, the truth, and the life. Your Word is truth. And we come to You and say thank You for opening our hearts and our eyes to this truth. That we have a fixed truth. We have, as, as Francis Shepard put it with a capital T, truth. The truth. Not a truth. The truth. We thank You that You have opened our heart to this. Cause us to be willing to share this with others so that their hearts might be open to it as well. We worship You. We praise You. We thank You for what You have done in us and for us and what is ahead for us yet. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand as we close? And uh, just, uh, Lord bless You. Thank You for being here this morning.